It may be that the Lord has brought you here today in order that you might be able to know and that you might be able to share with others that Jesus, he's the only one who can. He is our only hope, hope for today, hope for the new year. We want to have said and want to not just trust in 2021, but we want to trust in the, the one who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we encourage you today, uh, take your Bibles if you would and find the letter of 1 John. 1 John chapter 1 we're going to be looking at. And I'm going to move my pulpit a little bit closer to you. We have stayed in 1 John 2nd John and 3rd John this month. In fact, we started with 3rd John last week and now we're moving to 1st John kind of back to the beginning and uh, we're talking about living with assurance today, how important that is. I want to take just a moment if I can as we, I really feel like the things that are happening today and the days to come, by the way, thank you for being here today. Those of you that are here in person, online, we have some in our overflow rooms, but uh, we appreciate you taking part in worship today and what the Lord is wanting us to do. Kind of feel like this is the first day of what we're rebuilding as well as moving forward with the Lord Jesus and what he's going to be doing in our lives and life of this church. And we look forward to what that's going to be as well. We had this past Wednesday night, we had a vision night to where we shared, uh, uh, spent some time, staff, uh, several of our staff shared as well what we believe is going to be God's vision for this church as we move forward in the next five or ten years, had some specifics for the next five years and then also for the next uh, five to ten years some of the things that we want to see and believe that the Lord is leading us to do and to be involved in including uh, in the community including some things we're going to be doing here on campus refurbishing adding on and some of those things if you've not grabbed one of those they're one of the blue booklets you might see here uh, as you uh, leave today if you've not already have one if you have one I encourage you not to read it maybe during the sermon but I am going to point a couple of things out there's a summary page in there that begins with a look ahead. And I just want to share with you a few of those things. First of all, as we talk about our theme for the next five years, we're still at the beginning of 21, but from 21 to 25, we're going to be talking about our theme of reaching new people for Jesus. We believe we need to be a great commission church. Well, from Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we're going to be about reaching together, moving forward, joining along. We want you to come along and join with us. We're keeping our vision, love God, love Auburn, and love the nations. We want to grow in our love for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to grow in our uh, certainly love for the community in which we live, the place in which the Lord has planted us, and want that to extend to all people in all nations, continue to grow in those very things. And then our mission... For the next five years, we talk about it, we've put it in this way, new people, new life, and next steps. And uh, kind of our mission statement would be Parkway's mission is to offer new people a new life and next steps found in Jesus. We want to grow in Christ as believers. We want to grow as a church so that we might be able to extend and build the kingdom, be a part of what God is doing. And then the strategy also found in this page comes from John 14 and verse 6 where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You might notice those things that are in parentheses. We're always about what's next. What's next for us as a church? We want you to be able to find out what's next, where you are, where you need to grow. And so these are tools that help us along the way. It includes worship and small groups, including Sunday school and Bible studies. It includes ministry. Everyone needs to be involved in ministry and then missions and evangelism. We encourage you and uh, take, take this with you, pray over it, and uh, we encourage you maybe to read and be a part of that as well. We're moving to our transition of introducing what is First uh, John, and we want to give you the purpose of First John. Some of you might be familiar with John, who's also the writer of the Gospels. 
in, uh, toward the end of John's gospel, he writes the reason they wrote the gospel, and that is so that all might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Well, then John writes his letter, and he tells us several occasions and several places why he writes this letter, 1 John. So maybe just kind of as an overview, let me give those to you if I can. First of all, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3 says this. 1 John 1, 3 says, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So he's writing so that we might be able to have fellowship with the Lord God and also fellowship with one another. And then in verse 4 of 1 John chapter 1, says this, it says, And we are writing these things, John continues to tell us, so that our joy may be complete. He's writing so that we might be able to experience joy. And then 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 says this, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. It's so that you might not sin, that you might not live a lifestyle of sin. What are we as believers to do with sin? And then 1 John chapter 2 and verse 26, he writes this, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. So he's writing about false teaching that has crept into the church and how to distinguish and what to do with false teaching. And then 1 John chapter 5 is the last one. There are five reasons, five verses, where he writes very specifically, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. As he wrote the gospel of John so that you might believe, so that more people might come to know Christ, he's writing 1 John so that believers might have assurance of their eternal life in Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about living with assurance uh, over the next few uh, Sundays uh, throughout the month of January. So we're in 1 John chapter 1. Let's read the first 10 verses. This now is the Word of God. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, have touched with our hands concerning the Word of life. The life was made manifest, and we've seen it and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Verse 5 reads, This is the message we've heard from him, proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. If there's a central verse that we want to pay attention to, it may be that verse uh, seven that we just read to where it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. You might remember the Tom Hanks movie called Castaway where he played Chuck Nolan. He's the FedEx executive who's on his way on a plane to Malaysia when there was a plane crash into the Pacific Ocean and he's the only survivor. He's washed up on the shore of a deserted island. And if I remember correctly, it seems like he stays there for many years and grows the long beard and all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and while he's there, he, 
Boy, it seems that he has everything he needs to survive, and he stays there for all that time until finally he's on a raft and he's rescued out the sea. And, but while he's there, he has everything, I guess, that he needs to survive, although there's a particular scene in there to where he sure didn't need a dentist that becomes really disturbing as they... But, uh, but he has everything needed except for that which he craves the most, and that's relationships. So much so that he creates a best friend out of a volleyball by the name of, go ahead and say it, Wilson, that's right, yeah. Which means we are in need of relationships. We're created for relationships. The Lord wants us to be able to have fellowship with others. And particularly, we're created for a relationship with the divine so that we might be able to have fellowship with the Lord God. This letter by John helps us to be able to understand how we might be able to have a relationship with the divine as well as with others and to be able to live with assurance. When Jesus came to our little planet, and visited amongst us and died on the cross and rose again. He came so that we might be able to know that it, all things might be possible, that we might have fellowship with God and to be able to have fellowship with one another beyond the ordinary. And this letter helps us to be able to understand that fellowship and to be able to live with assurance. Too many people, even many professing Christians, are living with substitutes, kind of like Tom Hanks' character in Castaway making his best friend Wilson. You know, I've told many people who've come, and usually because they've asked me maybe about a particular lifestyle of sin or a particular something in their life that was different, or maybe they were living some kind of alternative lifestyle, whether it be a person of the same gender or not. And they've, they perhaps have not felt that it was wrong, but they wanted to talk about that. Maybe they really didn't want my opinion. They just wanted to be able to talk about it. But if they've asked, I've been sure to tell them. First of all, I've said, now what do you feel that the Lord feels about? I'm not talking in particular sin, but anything particularly that we know that is displeasing God that we're unrepentant about or we feel that it's okay. And I say, well, how do you, how do you think God feels about it? And, and I, but I'd be sure to let them know that how much God loves them if they're willing to listen and that God has a plan and a purpose. And regardless of how good you think you're doing or whether you think you're doing is not wrong or that if, you, if it feels good or if it feels like it's right, you can be sure and know that God has a better plan. God has something better in store. Wouldn't you like to know and to be able to experience the better life that the Lord has in store for us? John the Beloved, he's the writer of this letter, sometimes called John the Elder. Don't get him confused with John the Baptist. We know that he wrote the Gospel of John as well as the book of Revelation. He's one of the original 12. He's one of those fishermen turned evangelists. In fact, he was among the closest of Jesus' disciples. He may have been the very closest of Jesus' disciples. When Jesus was at the cross and wanted somebody to take care of his mother Mary, it was John that he called upon to take care of Mary. And so we know that John also was the only disciple that did not die a martyr's death. He spent some time, though, and was exiled on the island of Patmos for his preaching. Thus kind of goes along with the castaway in the movie. But then believed to have been released and spent much of his time in the city of Ephesus uh, leading and pastoring that great church. This letter was written to the churches of Asia Minor, churches that... Many of those that the Apostle Paul had established and other churches as well, Asia Minor is in modern-day Turkey and Ephesus is one of the main major churches. Like many churches in the first century, they were battling persecution from without. They had false teaching that was creeping from within and they were still learning theology and right teaching and having an understanding of what it meant to be and have a relationship with Jesus and what that looks like. Now, we're still facing some of those same kinds of threats, maybe not, not exactly the same problems, but some obstacles here in the 21st century. 
want you to understand things that will help us. There are three key concepts in the letters of John that keep coming up to us in these letters, and you'll need to know those as we move forward. One of those has to do with light versus darkness. And then there's the second one is truth versus error. And the third is love versus hate. We dealt with truth particularly maybe last week as we talked about Third John. And today we're talking about light and truth will be the key. And the latter part of First John particularly talks about our necessity of loving God and others. And so our theme this month is living with assurance. So we're going to ask the question this morning, is it really possible to live with assurance? Let me ask, is it possible to still live with assurance in the day in which we live? Is it possible to live with assurance even in the midst of chaos? I wrote that last little part of that in your notes probably after Wednesday. But even in the midst of chaos, can we do that? Well, I've taken that theme for us that has to do with light, L-I-G-H-T, and taken each of those letters maybe to help us to outline a little bit of these verses and help us to understand because I believe the answer is yes because of what the Bible teaches and because of who Christ is. So let's use the letter L. How is it possible? It's possible because of the living word. Jesus is the word of life, we're told by John in verse 1. Now, this particular letter by John begins a little bit more unusual, I guess, than other letters, particularly in John writes, uh, when he writes 2 John, he, he addresses it. He says, John the elder uh, to the elect bride or to the elect lady, speaking of the church. And even in 3 John, he writes, John the elder to Gaius. But here John just begins, perhaps because he had a message that he needed to proclaim. He needed to proclaim it quickly and needed to get down to business of what we need to know. This letter, probably written between 75 and 90 AD, was some 50 years perhaps after Jesus had uh, risen from the dead after he had been on the cross. Enough time for churches to be established and enough time for false teaching to have crept in. There's a particular teaching that John is writing about here, and it's called Gnosticism. Don't worry about spelling it, but it's called Gnosticism. And it's, among many other things, one thing it teaches is that the spirit is good and the flesh is evil, which probably doesn't sound too bad on the outset, but the problem is they also taught that neither one of those had nothing to do with the other. So whatever you did in the flesh, it really didn't matter because it has nothing to do with the spirit. That's a false teaching. Won't you be able to understand the things I'm saying that are false? It also said that Jesus, if flesh is evil and spirit is good, Jesus didn't really come in the flesh. He only came in the spirit. Well, if that's true, then it kind of demolishes every reason for which Jesus came so that he might come, live amongst us, identify with us, and that he might physically die on the cross and physically conquer death. Now, it makes sense what John writes, isn't it? Because he comes and he says, when he begins, he begins very, right off and repeats it again. He says, I have seen Jesus firsthand. I've heard Jesus. He's real. And then he goes on to say, he said, I've even touched Jesus and I know that he is real. I, you know, John, of course, the gospel writer, John tells about in the Last Supper how he, he just gives this detail in the gospel. He says he was leaning upon Jesus at the Last Supper. I wonder if he was thinking about, as he wrote this, about being at the Last Supper and leaning upon Jesus. He said, you know, he really is flesh and bones. And at the same time, he is divine. He is the one who came and he is his God uh, in the flesh. If you know Jesus, let me encourage you that you want to be sure to know the Jesus of the Bible. Here was Jesus. He was in the beginning. 
Remember how John's gospel began? We're reading 1 John. These are similar because in John's gospel, in fact, John's gospel was read from this pulpit just a couple of weeks ago from our guest speaker. But in it, it said Jesus, or, or John wrote, that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Of course, the Word is Jesus. So here, John records a similar beginning. In verse 1, he says, He is the Word of life, the living Word made flesh. Again, similar to the Gospel of John, he was in the beginning. He's eternal. He didn't suddenly come into existence in Bethlehem. He's always existed. He did become flesh in the manger. He died and he rose again. Be sure that if you say that you believe in Jesus, you do believe in Jesus, that you believe in the Jesus of the Bible who has always existed, who came in the flesh in Bethlehem, who lived amongst us, who has felt everything that you have ever felt, had every temptation that you have ever had, and still he is without sin. The one who gave his life on the cross in our place, that died and rose again, the one whose all authority has been given to him, and we know that he's still alive today. That's the Jesus of the Bible. That's the Jesus that you need to know because from the first century to the 21st century, there are people who are preaching a different kind of Jesus. Well, if that's the Jesus you know, you can live with assurance because your eternity and your living assurance depends on having a real faith in the real Jesus. So we got the I in the letters of L-I-G-H-T and the I's, how can you, can you still live with assurance? Well, the I stands for I know him personally. Jesus, or excuse me, John uses the word manifest. He uses it here and he uses it more than one occasion, so it's a word that he likes to use. The Apostle Paul, in his letters, you'll come across the word mystery from time to time. And they kind of point to the same conclusion. Manifest means to be made known. Mystery that Paul talks about is that what's true about Jesus has been made known that Jesus came to save everyone. That's the mystery. So whenever you come across this word manifest or the word mystery in the New Testament, you want to think to yourself, ah, this means Jesus has, came to save everyone. He came to save all those who turned to him. Now, John saw, heard, and touched Jesus physically. If you're a genuine follower of Jesus, you've done the same things. If not physically, then certainly personally. You don't just know about him, but you know you've experienced him. Have you not heard Jesus? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You've heard Jesus. Have you not seen Jesus? I have. I've seen lives radically changed and turned around and going in one direction and head to another direction because Jesus has come into their life. I are one of those people's lives changed because of Jesus. You may be also. Have you touched Jesus? Well, if you've physically helped someone who is in need, if you've added a helping hand, if you've touched someone who needed to know Jesus, Jesus said, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. You felt Christ in your heart and you know Jesus lives in you. It's, it's my personal testimony. Having been raised in church, my dad was a deacon before the Lord called him into vocational ministry. I, so I was always in church. I learned a lot about Jesus. I knew a lot of Bible stories. I memorized a lot of verses before I realized I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know him personally and found that I needed to confess my sins. I needed to repent of sin. I needed to put my faith in him and ask Christ to be my Savior and Lord. It's my testimony. I'm able to live with assurance, and so can you. The G in the L-I-G-H-T 
is go and tell others. Freely compelled, go and tell others. John writes, what's been made manifest, what has been made known to him personally, it's been made manifest to him, manifest to be made known. He wants to make manifest, that is to make known to you. He wants others to know the same Jesus and others to have fellowship with him. There's no doubt from this letter that John wanted other people wanted all God's people to be able to experience the same Jesus he knows and have the same benefits and assurance he has. So this is another key element. You need to be ready to share Jesus with others from your family to your close friends in inner circle to those people that you work with in your neighborhood, those on your ball team, those that are in your classroom, those whom you just might have a happenstance to come in contact with or those who live on the other side of the world or that person that perhaps you might have a hard time loving were it not for Jesus that helps you to be able to love the unlovable. You want to be ready to share, not because I told you to or because you feel it's your duty though you really don't want to, but because you're freely compelled for others to have what you have. Your life has been radically changed because without Jesus, it'd be really easy to live your life for yourself. But now, because of Jesus, you're thinking about others. You want to help other people in need. Well, what greater need is there than for someone to know Jesus? Without this desire to go and tell what Jesus has done for you, for more people to come to him, this idea of living with assurance will always be just out of reach. Because a life that is focused on self hardly will be able to live a life that is fully assured in Christ. And then when the world is thrown in chaos, and if you're, you're sure Jesus is still in charge, you're sure that he's still king and he's still ruler of the ages, nothing happens he's not aware of beforehand. Nothing happens that is beyond his grasp or control. Then maybe, not maybe for sure, maybe it is that you know and you've realized that God wants to use whatever's happening in your life or the life of the world so that he might bring more people to have the kind of fellowship that you have and that you know if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus to have. And if you pay attention, you might figure out a way that you might get in on what God's doing and be a part of it. If you want to live with assurance, be ready to go and tell. And then we come to the H. H is having complete joy in Christ. Having complete joy in Christ. Joy is one of those fruits of the Spirit. It's one of the byproducts of being faithful and obedient. Now, joy and happiness are not equivalent, but they are somewhat related. I mean, my goodness, who would not want to be joyful all the time? Well, in the book of Nehemiah, Ezra tells us the joy of the Lord is your strength. And in the New Testament, the book of Philippians, Paul tells us rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Uh, can, I can I tell you something? I want you, to, uh, I want you to not feel guilty because you don't feel joy or happiness 24-7, 365 days a year. I'm, I give you permission to sometimes feel lousy and then not to feel lousy about feeling lousy. I mean, I, it doesn't mean that you're not living with assurance because sometimes you get down in the dumps, but when it happens, would you look to Jesus for that? Now, John writes in verse four, he says, we are writing these things to you, we are writing these things so our joy may be complete. Now, there's a bit of controversy about this verse. We read it as it is in the ESV. Paul says, I write these things so our joy may be complete. And the oldest manuscripts say it in that way, our joy. 
But some manuscripts and some of your translations actually may say, I write these things so your joy may be complete. Now, is John writing so his joy may be complete or is he writing so their joy may be complete? It's probably the first since the oldest manuscripts tell us that. But either way, where there is joy and where there's joy in Christ, it's always increasing and it's centered in Christ and helping others. Now, we could, we could spend a lot more time talking about joy, but here's the thing. When, when you came to Jesus, he accepted you the way you were. He accepts us the way we are. We repent of sin and we turn that sin over to him and then it begins to make a change in our life. Probably none of us here, if you're like me, you didn't become perfect the day that you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. In fact, I know you didn't because we're only going to be perfect when we get to heaven. But you can be sure that the Lord is working in your life to make the things that make you happy or the things that bring you joy to move from being about the earthly and the worldly and the sinful he wants to move that more and more you find happiness and joy in the things of God in what God is doing in your life and how God is working in his word, being with others and seeing God at work. You want more joy in your life? Well, don't focus on the worldly. Don't even focus on pursuing joy or happiness, but instead focus on Jesus and focus on others and more and complete joy will be the byproduct. Well, we're to the T in light. T stands for, we'll use or tell and live the truth. Tell and live the truth. What, what's the message according to verse 5? Go ahead and take a look. He said, this is the message. This is what's true. This is what's truth. It is what? God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, let's, let's make sure that we've defined the message is related to the truth, so let's make sure we've defined the truth. John's going to continue to help us to know that. But the truth is defined as Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It is defined as the gospel message. Anything is in error that takes us away from the gospel message of how we can know Christ, how we can have eternal life. And truth is defined as the word of God, all of God's word. This is what we want to tell and live. We want to be sure that we're telling and living that well, that which pleases Jesus, that which is the gospel message, and that which is uh, synonymous or coincides with the word of God. And, and it cannot be just something that we say we must live it. The world's tired of rhetoric. Talk must match the walk. And the second half of 1 John 1 that we're reading now, it's about lies and truth. In fact, John points out three lies that people tell, and he's telling his readers, he's telling us, don't tell these lies. So I'm just going to point out to you these lies. One is found in verse 6. Lie number one. I have fellowship with God but walk in darkness. That's a lie. You can't have fellowship with God and walk in darkness. You can say that you do. And a lot of people say that they're believers, say they're followers, say that they're Christians, but their life may not really reflect it. They're not walking with Jesus. They don't seem to be changed by the gospel, living by the Bible. Well, before you begin to list names of who that might be, I want you to think, or we need to think about our own lives and our own lives reflected by walking in the light or walking in darkness. Now, this does not mean perfection. We're going to talk more about living with assurance even though we still sin because until Christ comes or until the Lord calls you home, you're still going to be dealing with sin. It should be less, but it does not mean you can't live with assurance. All right. Are you still not sure how that can be? If we're still sin, how can we live with assurance? And pay attention because John is writing to answer this question. 
Well, here's the truth for us under line number one is this. All who know Jesus walk in the light. If you know Christ, you are abiding in him. Even though you're not perfect, you're still able to walk in the light. <clears throat> Some years ago, we're coming back from a mission trip from Ohio, and we stopped off with our little group at uh, Mammoth Caves in Kentucky. Some of you may have been there before, like I have caves in Alabama too, so kind of like that. But you, you go in, of course, and there's a tour guide, and they walk you down through, and he walked us down to the bottom big room I guess there as we did I was I was in the back of the line it was our group plus many other people that were there and when we walked in he uh, he came up to me and he said would you would you turn here's the light switch so when I tell you to would you turn the light switch off I don't know if it's because I was at the back of the line or I looked dependable sometimes looks can be deceiving but uh, he came and he told us, you know, did the tour and that kind of thing. And he began to talk about, you know, anywhere up above, anywhere on earth, there's, there's light. There's talked about ambient light, all these kind of things. But down in the cave, it is pure darkness. There's no light whatsoever. But I remember him telling me, he said, when you hold this light, he said, whatever you do, don't let go of the switch because it's going to be dark and you won't be able to find the switch. Well, it came time. And he said, uh, you know, he said, okay, talked about what's going to happen. He said, you know, Hold your hand, be ready, hold your hand up. You won't be able to see a thing. He said, okay, turn the light off. I hit the switch. He talked a little bit there in the dark and then he said, uh, he said, okay, turn the light on. I didn't move. He said it again. Okay, you can turn the light on. I said, from the darkness, I said, uh, I can't find the switch. He turned on his little pin light, started coming toward me. I flipped the switch and said, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, he did not think that was very funny. I want you to notice in verse 5 when John writes, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In the original language, if we were to say this literally in English, it would be like this. God is light and in him is not no darkness. Now, that's not no good English, is it? Sorry, you English majors, I understand. But he did it for an emphasis here. John could have written, God is light, there is no darkness. And left it like that, and that had been true. But under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, John writes, God is light, and in him there is no darkness, not a lick, nil, zero, not a hint of darkness in, the, in Christ our Lord. Just as there's no light, in the bottom of Mammoth Caves in Kentucky, there is no darkness in Christ. It's all gone away. Now, there is darkness in this world. And the world's gone crazy. Things to be happening, nothing but chaos or in your life, things to be out of whack. And you're thinking sometimes, what am I going to do next? What's going to happen next? When, where are we going to go from here? It's at that time that you need to remember that if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got your hand on the switch. And you've got to turn the light on. Too many believers, those who perhaps really know Christ as Lord and Savior, have turned the light off and living as if they're living in darkness. So I'm telling you now, today, we want to begin living a life because of our faith in the Lord Jesus, not because of who we are, but because of Christ has done, because we believe in the real Jesus, that we can turn the light on. Number two lie that's mentioned in verse 8 says, I have no sin. This is a lie even professing believers tell. You're not a sinner? Sure you are. 
If you're in Christ, you are a saved sinner and grace has been draped over you and you've been made righteous because of his blood, but you're a sinner. And if you say you have no sin, John writes, you're only deceiving yourself. I, I think this is related to the false teaching. If I sin in the flesh but not in the spirit, well, maybe it doesn't really count. Or sometimes how we justify sometimes our actions today. Or instead of calling something really a sin, we say, well, I've made a mistake. And so it doesn't really sound quite as bad. Or we think sometimes, well, uh, if I'm saved, I'm not supposed to sin, so I just won't call it sin. Well, John wants to clear this up. When you come to the family of God, repentant of sin, you begin a relationship with the divine Son of God. By His grace, you are a part of the family of God and nothing can separate you or take you away from the family of God. You have a relationship with the Almighty and it's because of God's grace and because of His blood that you have that relationship. And we've been saved. The Bible tells us we've been forgiven our sin, past, present, and future. And we have that relationship. John writes about that relationship, particularly through his Gospels and sometimes here. But here he's talking about a different kind of ship, S-H-I-P, relationship, and that's fellowship. And fellowship with the Lord Jesus often depends upon whether we are walking in His light, whether we're abiding in Him, whether we're following Him, and we're walking with the truth. How important it becomes, our quiet times become, so that we might be able to confess that sin to Him, so that we might be able to daily be able to do that very thing. It's related to the third layer. First of all, let me give you the truth of that. Followers of Jesus continue to confess sin and are cleansed. Everyone here today needs to confess sin. Now, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is no there is no remission without repentance of sin. So if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're here today, you're listening today, then you need to repent of sin. You need to place your faith in Him and ask Christ to come in to be your Savior and Lord. We encourage you to do that today before this service is over. Give your heart and life to Him. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, it's likely because of our human nature that you need to confess sin today. If you've not already done that today, you need to do it here in this service because we live in this world, we get the sin, the filth of this world on us and not because of anybody else's fault but because of our own choices. We realize in our human nature that we have sin in our life and that every day we need to spend time confessing our sins. Not because it's our duty because sometimes you, I know we think, well, I didn't read my Bible this, today or this week. I need to get reading my Bible. I need to spend time in prayer. But it's so that you might be able to live with assurance. Not sure it's necessarily for salvation because if you know Christ, nothing can change that relationship. But the fellowship changes every time that we sin. So every day we need to spend time in confession. People like me need to do it several times a day, every time that we've realized that we've done something wrong. Let me give you that third one. That lie is similar to the second one. I, I have not sinned, it says in verse 10. And it's so close to the second, it could be that John was really just giving more emphasis or it's more likely it's about a particular sin. Likely that false teaching that had come into the church and they're saying that they were not sinning, it was not wrong. Or it could be about a particular lifestyle or unrepentant habit and saying they were doing nothing wrong. How much more serious could John get? Did you notice in verse 10 what did God say about the one who says this sin? You're calling God a liar. John, he's holding no punches. He said, if you're living a life that is contrary to truth, not pleasing to Jesus, 
contrary to the gospel, different from what God's word says. And you say that there's nothing wrong with it, you're calling God a liar. Not only that, God's word, the truth, is not in you. Remember, John's talking to professing believers who should be walking in the light. So what's our truth? All are sinners and all need Jesus. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'm going to do something that I rarely do today. And that is, I'm not going to fill in all the blanks. We're going to finish those blanks next week and go with chapter 2. But I want, to, I want to share this with you, that Jesus is the light of the world. If you don't feel that you're walking in his light today, either you're just pretending you really don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus and you need to get that right today. Or you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. You do have the light, you've experienced the light, but you're walking as if you're living in darkness. Well, when the world goes crazy, things turn upside down in your life, it really does reveal what kind of person you and I really are. Are we a person of the light? Are we a person of darkness? Remember with Jesus, there's no darkness at all. Let's flip the switch. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here in this place. We thank you for the opportunity to come and be able to worship together. We pray, Father, for those maybe who may not be able to be here. We know that there are many who are ill today and going through difficult times. Some who have lost loved ones. We pray your watch care blessings on them. Father, make your presence known in their life. We pray, Father, for those who may not know you as Lord and Savior, maybe listening today. Father, we pray that today might be the day that they repent of sin, place their faith in you, ask Christ to be Savior and Lord. We know they can do that even now. We pray that as believers in the Lord Jesus, as a church and as individuals, that we might realize we have the light of Jesus living in us. We have the hope of the world. Father, may others be able to see Jesus in us. This we lift up in the precious name of Jesus.